This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City, your Sunday night with Speed City. We're live from Austin, Texas. This is John Massengill. I'm sitting in the studio with my cohorts, Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? Hey, I am doing great, but I was going to ask you, what's this four-legged thing <laughs> around the ground here? Jonathan has teamed like up famous with, or something. with uh, Kevin Schwantz, and they've produced an animal. How did this happen, Jonathan? That's a weird Oh, I talked statement. to Kevin. Kevin's part of it, but um, yeah. <laughs> this is the same breeder that Kevin Schwantz got his dog from? Yeah. Is that why you're wearing yeah. Kevin Swan? And he's 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 lobbying for the bikes and cars, generally speaking, in America to go slower and then and squirrels. So he's got a chance of catching them. <laughs> okay, well, what's his name and you gotta explain why? Murphy, black Labrador, and he's the best. <laughs> okay, but uh, you gotta understand the, the Green family has a tradition of naming dogs rather apropos and uh Well, we've got one called Guinness, and the only other black um beer in Ireland is Murphy's. Oh, okay. You know what? I did not know that. Yeah. I didn't know where the name came well, from. Watch so out. Yeah. A show coming, two Labradors chasing bikes and cars is going to be our new show, I think. So, look All out. right. Well, I'm going to go over <laughs> what we're going to do on our show tonight because we have an awesome show. We are going to talk about IndyCar today because it was at St. Pete. We're going to talk about NASCAR at Talladega, flying cars and more. And we're going to talk about Moto2 because we have an interview, an exclusive with American Joe Roberts who is kicking butt. He's, I mean, he's competitive for the championship, right? Absolutely. And uh, I can sort of say it on hand on heart. It's going to be, we're going to follow Joe throughout the season. And um, if you want to find out what's going on with the Americans, that's Cameron Bobier and, um, and and Joe Roberts, both in Moto2, both in the top 10 last weekend, and definitely both looking really, really good. Obviously, Bobier, a five-time champion, from the States in superbikes, but now he's gone to Moto2. In fact, he's on Joe's old bike, whereas Joe is now on a championship winning bike from last year, and he has a very good shot at winning the title and then moving on, just as Alex Marquez did, to MotoGP, which would be incredible. Ooh, yeah. yeah. And we've got... To have another- an American... Yeah. do this again and talking talking of that i know one of his biggest fans is on the show tonight and that is adam andretti who of course we've had on before talking moto gp so we're going to talk to him about joe and about indy and about everything else but um yeah we've I, finally we've got some skin in the game yes, on two wheels we've got some americans coming up through the ranks and i mean look at the highest level of moto two that is awesome well let's introduce adam andretti because i see him on zoom adam welcome to the show buddy appreciate it 
Hey, thanks, John. It's good to be back. And uh, great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back again. Are you kidding? I love to have you on the show. You are a wealth of motorsports knowledge. Exactly. Are you hearing Andretti and you're probably thinking, okay, <laughs> and, we're going to hear cars all the time. And by no, the way, no, he, no, he, no. they're racing in Laguna, uh, sorry, in uh, Sonoma this weekend. And, and Adam said, no, he'd prefer to do the show than race. So <laughs> exactly. is that right, Adam? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, you know my secrets, Jonathan. I do. And that's, that's one of them right there. Now, I... Yeah, I'm excited they got to do their thing out in um, Sonoma. I don't know the results. I do know the qualifying results. And, and Dyson looked like he was in a class of his own mm-hmm. out there. So I feel like if he if everything stayed together for him, I don't see why they why he couldn't back that up with victory. Yeah, now Adam Andretti, and just in case you're wondering why we're talking about Trans Am, Adam Andretti is in the TA class in Trans Am, fighting Ernie Francis Jr., our seven-time champion, um, and has been a regular for many seasons. Uh, but he's a huge MotoGP fan. So we're going to get together next week and do the next round of the Trans Am Championship nationally at Laguna Seca, which Adam will be oh, racing in, and man. I'll be there. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, can you win that one, Adam? Yeah, if if we get to go, I mean, I'm I'm hoping that we put a program together that gets us out there. I know that the the team I drive for, they're out of Elgin, Illinois, and uh, they're trying to weigh the checks and balances on if uh, if we can make it out there. At the very least, I'll be out there to join you in the booth, you know, John. <laughs> I'll take it. And, and po- yeah, poke you in the ribs while we're sitting there, you know, and having some fun and and talking, you know, Trans Am and TA two at the very least. So. All right. uh, but if we were there racing, I promise you, I'd be someone that they'd have to be worried about there. I've, uh, I love Laguna. I've taught there for many years as an instructor and uh, just absolutely think the world of the place and, and uh, would be really happy if we got to go race there for sure. Well, boys, I want to talk, uh, by the way, we're going to talk some Formula One too, because we're going to talk about the Miami Grand Prix. I'm going to happen. Miami. You know, last time I was there, they pronounced it Miami. Miami? Yeah. I have never heard I, that. Is that a Japanese just, version? Yeah, that Miami. does sound like the Japanese yeah, version. I, I just rolled Miami. with it. Miami. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know what? Let's talk Coda and NASCAR first because right. we got NASCAR coming to Austin on May 22nd, 23rd. And we had a chance to go out to Coda and hang out with the um, the CEO of Speedway Motorsports, mm-hmm. Marcus Smith. And lots of the NASCAR folks. We had a couple of drivers out there. We had Kyle Busch. And um, uh, John Hunter Nemechek yep. and Daniel Hemrick. Yep. And so I want to play this clip. I want to start with this because we have a clip of Marcus Smith, who's the CEO of Speedway Motorsports. And if you don't know, Speedway puts on races for NASCAR all over the country. They have a bunch of tracks that they own. They have it's uh, like 10 tracks. Yeah. yeah. They have like 10 tracks that they own. And Charlotte, uh, Dallas, you yep, name it. Yep. And so what essentially what they're doing, they're, they are um, they're taking over Coda, essentially. They're basically renting the track from Coda, yeah, yeah. and they're running it. So this first clip for the producer is the uh, Marcus Smith intro to Coda. Hey, let me throw in one thing on that. When we say that, it's just like Formula One comes in. Yeah. It's theirs yeah. for the week. Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. It's not any just, different. Just so you You're understand right. in context that. Yeah. Well, let's hear from Marcus Smith. Well, uh... Uh, you know, on behalf of Speedway Motorsports, welcome to NASCAR at Coda, um, at least the, the, the press day for that. We're really, really um, looking forward to an amazing inaugural weekend. Uh, I want to say a big thanks to Bobby Epstein and the whole team here at Coda for all the, the great partnership in uh, working towards this event. It's been um, a, lot of, a lot of fun, and uh, it's been exciting for me. Um, I, my first laps uh, at Coda were uh, 
at the, the graciousness of Bobby in one of his cars around uh, the track, I think about five or six years ago. So, uh, and, and Marshall Carlson, president of Hendrick Motorsports, actually uh, brought me, or you know, we, we had the idea and talked about this and then brought me out here to visit. Um, so big thanks to Marshall as well. Um, also want to say a huge thanks to Brian Hammond on our team from Speedway that uh, has been leading uh, our team out here. He's done a phenomenal job. Um, we're looking forward to seeing these pros hit the track, and um, I know it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, for me, you know, it starts uh, as a fan. I'm a, I'm a huge NASCAR fan. I love watching the races, and uh, I, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing these guys hit the track. Uh, it's high speed. It's technical, um, and I think it's a little bit deceiving at how fast this track is, but we'll find out soon enough. So, um, also looking forward to seeing the, uh, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo uh, series out here. It should be a lot of fun. You know, I saw an ad during the NASCAR race today for NASCAR at Coda, and I thought I'd written it in my notes, and I can't find it, but the phrase they used was something like uh, a unique something like you've never seen before NASCAR, like you've never seen it or something unique, which is kind of what we've been saying. They've been telling us they were going to do. Mm -hmm. But the point is, is that NASCAR on a Formula one track in Austin, Texas, all of these incongruencies, but it's still going to be fun and amazing and all that. Good that we have a man on the show who has raced Cota in a Trans Am car. Okay. Not quite similar, but right. certainly give us an insight yeah. into what it takes to go fast. He's been on the podium there a couple of times. Um, Adam, um, your thoughts um, first and foremost about NASCAR coming to uh, Coda? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I love the fact that it's like seven road courses on the NASCAR schedule this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why not add a place like Coda, which is really, um, it's definitely by far going to be the most challenging, most technical road course that they'll go to, uh, that NASCAR drivers have ever been to. Uh, you know, when you look at where they're used to going, Sonoma's been the technical place, and then Watkins Glen's been, you know, because they removed the boot for NASCAR, mm -hmm. which seems to be, you know, and most of popular opinions, the, the more technical side of, of Watkins Glen. But anyway, I, I code it's going to be a great show for them. Like for from a Trans Am car, um, we have the same, you know, drivetrain, and we run the same brake packages because it's the same size wheel diameter. So our brake packages are very similar. Uh, or exactly the same to what NASCAR, what you have on a cup car. So um, one of the challenges I would see for those big, heavy cars, because they're about a thousand pounds heavier than our cars, and they're going to run obviously mm. a longer duration than a hundred miles of a uh, Trans Am race is going to be saving the car is, um, you know, there's, there's definitely plenty of places around that racetrack, especially from down in the back straightaway um, that you're going to go. I imagine a cup car is going to be from 170 plus miles an hour and down to, 35 to 40 mile an hour to make the left-hand turn there at turn 12. And so um, that right there is going to really test the life of the brakes in these cars. And um, it definitely the track itself, the layout for itself, uh, it's going to, it's going to test the drivers, uh, you know, and, and their technicality and how they really get around the places. The S's at, you know, the S's at, at Watkins Glen are really pretty cut and dry and, and almost anything I've ever been in, it's been pretty easy flat out through there or pretty close to it. Um, at Coda, it is, it is technical. You, you charge into them. You feel like you can pick up speed midway through and then it really tightens up on the end. <laughs> so I, uh, 
I, I, I see that these these cats have their hands full. I, I'm glad that NASCAR is going back to a typical weekend for it to give them that that time to, you know, they're going to have practice and qualifying and obviously the race. So I think that is going to help them really sort out anything that they're going to have, they're going to foresee coming along because they'll, they'll know break wear much better at that point. And, um, you know, Austin, Texas, I don't have to tell anyone in that booth it can get pretty hot uh, temperature-wise <laughs> yeah. out there. So hey, Adam, I, I think it's going to be a great race. Uh, you know, NASCAR uh, anywhere is a great race. So why not Coda? Um, some of the best race fans in our country right there in Texas. So I think it's just going to be a great show all around. Adam, I got some questions for you. And to begin with, I asked the guys, what were they going to do when they left here? And it was basically they would watch some videos. But is there any data or information that might get shared between the Trans Am crew and the NASCAR crew? Hey, Adam, I want you to hold the answer to that question because I want to keep all of our listeners uh, a cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. Wow. <laughs> cliffhanger because we need to take a break. But when we come back, we'll let Adam answer that. Okay. You're listening to Speed City. We're live in Austin. You can back, do some research. Back okay. after a very quick break. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride. Or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. Austin's Talk 1370. This is Alexis DeJoria, driver of the Tequila Patron Toyota Camry Nitro Funny Car. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Did you guys see, you probably didn't, but there's a tweet but NASCAR tweeted out, they showed all the cars on track, and they said, this is 40,000 horsepower, all the tracks. And the NRHA replied to that tweet. And That's said, just one car. They said, we, can do that with, we can do that with four cars. <laughs> hey, I may see if I can get Alexa. I was going to say, that sounded us. like about 11,000 horsepower to me. Yeah. Yeah, something yeah, that, like that, yeah. That was uh, Alexa's car from uh, the Texas Motorplex. I was up there with That's her right, one yeah. time. So, uh, that was I'll see actual can... on your iPhone or something, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll see if I can get her <laughs> to come awesome. join us sometime. Yeah. Hey, uh, Adam, Les, why don't you ask your question again? Right. Do we need a drum roll this time? <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. So so legitimately, <laughs> these guys are coming in. They have 
practically nil as far as experience. Certainly data is non-existent except for the tire companies. Is there any relationship between you Trans Am guys and the NASCAR guys that is going to be a benefit to somebody to, to have these conversations with you? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I, my, my phone's always open for anyone that would want to call <laughs> me. And, and I know, I, I know the Trans Am teams and the TA2 teams out there would feel the same. Uh, the, the, the cars are pretty drastically different. So setup sharing, uh, even when you watch the attitude of a cup car or an Xfinity car on a road course compared to the attitude of our cars, it's much different um, dynamically. So I, I, I don't think there's much information we could share chassis wise. The tire is so different. Uh, to what we run, you know, on the Pirelli tire to the good years that they run. Uh, but as far as, you know, heads up on track gearing, you know, we could certainly share some gear information. But all those are all things, too, that simulation programs that they have nowadays are very, very good. Uh, that's why NASCAR's been confident with the, uh, you know, the, the COVID pandemic, which is, you know, really kind of setting them loose is because the, you know, between the seven post rigs or shaker rigs that, you know, set the chassis up to, uh, simulation programs for gearing and, and things of that sort. And, uh, you know, long gone are carburetors, you know, for, for quite some time now from NASCAR, you know, uh, over the last, I think, six, seven years. So uh, you don't even need to work on the jetting anymore, right? With the, right. With the fuel injection. So testing and practice time, all this, they're starting to learn. Now, the, what that's really bad for the rookies or those that don't have a lot of experience. Now, I will say this in Trans Am, and I think Jonathan will test this too. We've had a lot of NASCAR, you know, these kids that are that are in cop or in, in book and Xfinity, excuse me, that are, uh, that have been in, you know, come to Trans Am and run TA2 and even run a Coda in anticipation that NASCAR may one day come there. Cause the rumors always been floating around the last few years. So, uh, I think those are the people too, that really kind of keep an eye out because Coda is one of those places that laps, uh, laps, laps, laps are a big deal there because the track is such a challenge. Just a quick question on that. I mean, it's, it's something that maybe not a lot of people know, but Sam Mayer is a good example. Christopher Bell raced with us. Um, there's several drivers that have used Trans Am as a stepping stone to NASCAR, especially at tracks that they know that they're going to race either in Xfinity. And I mean, Mayer is a good example. He's racing you guys, um, you know, each week in Trans Am, and yet he's winning in the truck series. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and I, I, I've said it time and time again, I think uh, in Trans Am, you're going to find some of them, some of the deepest fields and some of the tightest competition out there. And, um, you know, like JJ Haley, I think is, yeah. would be one of my dark horse picks for Coda because he went, he went around there real well in the TA2 car. Uh, he's got a lot of experience there in TA2 cars, run, I think at least two 100 mile races there. So th those are, those are pretty, um, pretty, uh, that he would be my dark horse. Yeah. Uh, to come out of there in, at Coda and really kind of shock the people. Well, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Uh, I think, though, I think our maestro wants to move on to uh, IndyCar uh, yeah. next. Well, actually, you know what? Let's do <laughs> – I'm fighting the puppy off of my cables. He's chewing – Chewing the cables from oh. my laptop. Um, we, pl we plan that all along. <laughs> I thought he was being a leg hound over there. Let, let's, oh, well. let's do Talladega first before we go to IndyCar. Sorry, that was I typed that in the chat. But boogity, boogity, boogity. Yes, because uh, there was an airborne Logano today yes. upside down. That was the craziest crash, because yeah. mainly because the fact that he hit Bubba Wallace's car upside down and Bubba went on to have the next lap have the fastest lap. Uh, yeah, that, that was the incredible part. But also, um, it wasn't one of those crazy last minute Talladega 
okay, I got you, you got me. It was actually pretty normal NASCAR fare in terms of pushing each other to try to get that draft, to get three cars together. That's how Talladega works. You, you use the aerodynamics. Um, and, and they just broke away from it. And it was Denny Hamlin, one of the most experienced drivers out there, um, who, who effectively caused it. But, um, yeah, Joey, Joey, uh, Joey was uh, a little bit uh, frightened, I would have thought, from that. Well, we do have a little clip from Joey Logano from NBC Sports that I want to play because he, he was absolutely a little upset. So let's play that audio clip from Joey Logano. You know, it's a product of this racing, and on one hand, I'm, I'm so proud to drive a cup car that is safe, that I can go through a crash like that and get out and speak about it, and one hand, I'm mad about being in the crash, the other hand, I'm just happy I'm alive, on the other hand, I think, when are we going to stop, because this is dangerous, doing what we're doing, I got a roll bar in my head, you know what I mean, it's not, a lot of us do this big spoiler and these big runs, the pushing and all that, it's no one's fault, right, I mean, Denny's trying to go, and, and 47's trying to go, it's a product of this, of this racing, we have to fix it, though, because someone, someone already got hurt, and we're still doing it, so that's not real smart, so. That's interesting. Yeah, it is, you know, I, I just watched Rush again through the pandemic, and I think it's going to take drivers like this to stand up and say let's do something not coming from the other direction i mean the drivers are powerful people to in the in the sport well i don't blame him for saying that but i'm also pretty astounded that i mean these guys can just walk away we're, we're sitting here watching the clip again where he's flying flips upside down and gets slammed into by bubba wallace buns bends around gets hit by several cars and just walks away and so i mean it's it's Amazing how safe the sport is. What's your take on this, Adam? Yeah, I mean, it, this is nothing new. It's how they got watched Rusty Wallace back in, in the early 90s. Barrel roll much worse than this accident was and walked out with a broken wrist. Um, you know, I mean, it, this is classic restrictor plate stuff. Uh, that's where the roof flaps came from. You know, Rusty was mm -hmm. driving for Penske. They invented the roof flaps, and that really helped keep cars playing on the ground again. Um, you know, but no matter what, when you're getting sideways at, at 180 plus miles an hour, you're going to pack air up underneath the car and it's going to want to go airborne. Uh, it's not ideal, but I mean, what do you, as you know, back to what Joey's saying, um, what do you want NASCAR to do about it? Just not go to fast tracks. And then, and I mean, it, it's really, it's really a struggle in, in that aspect because, um, you know, I get it at Talladega and Daytona, we see it's more frequent to see it. But that doesn't mean it can't be. It can't happen at at Texas Motor Speedway, right? We we've seen uh, cars get airborne anywhere that they're going at those speeds. So um, it's just more common there because of the pack racing and, and what's the nature of it. Uh, but at the same time, you, again, you know, you can you can take those spoilers off, give you know, give them wide open horsepower, let them do 220 miles an hour, and again, I don't think that's any safer. So this is racing. This is motorsports. It is inherently dangerous. Uh, I think that's why I'm a huge motorcycle racing fan. They, they've done things within the realm to, to keep get the riders safe with airbags in the leathers, better leathers, electronics on the bikes so that they don't get pitched off as often. But they all recognize it's a very dangerous sport and they accept that danger. And, and that's what we all uh, will do to a certain extent. Now, if it's something that we can solve and it's easy to solve, for sure. Um, halos, no brainer. And we've seen what that's done. The aero screen an IndyCar with Ryan Hunter, Ray, Barber. I yeah. mean, there, there's definitely things that make sense, but from Joey's point, I, I just don't see, you'd have to almost stop racing. And there's a lot of people that love to drive race cars. So I don't think <laughs> yeah. he wants to stop uh, doing that. And um, so I, I, I think he was speaking from emotion. It's really yeah. easy to do that uh, when you've gone through the ride that he just went through. But I think if he were to dwell on that and come back to him, you know, 48 hours later, 
I think he's his tone may be a, a bit different. I'm, so go ahead, go ahead, Les. I'm, I'm just with you on that. But you know, there's a few things that I've said about NASCAR that that quite honestly, I mean, it was no longer my favorite sport on the track. But I miss the days of a required windshield that you know, OEM style windshield, and you know, some of the profiles that were exactly like the dealership cars you got. Now I know we're not going to go back to that. But I think that, uh, you know, to keep talking about NASCAR racing, that's something that I feel like needs to return uh, to add some validity to calling this stock car anymore. What do you think, Adam? It's a big yeah, question. I mean, it, it, yeah, the, the purists in us all have said that for, for quite some time, right, Les? I mean, this is, this is you know, we've wanted that. And, and kind of the answer, um, and, and I think that's why we see so many people flooding to GT racing and watching mm -hmm. GT racing yeah. as a fan base is because it is that. Too. you know, there's showroom cars that, um, that the manufacturer sells, Good you time. know, anyone could go buy, you know, a GT3 car, GT4 car, if you got the money to do it. And, um, and that's, that's a race car built off of, you know, a showroom car. And that's really what NASCAR uh, obviously was, was founded on the, the problem they ran into that is, is the car manufacturers, um, you know, there you saw in the 90s and the early 2000s, they just, they would so dramatically change the shape of the car they sold to the public just to make it go through the air for NASCAR. And, uh, and it didn't translate to a lot of sales, sales <laughs> for the manufacturers out on the road. Um, you know, those, those, those bubble window touristes. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. I mean, the Monte Carlo that had that the hump, crazy. The humpback Monte Carlo. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, honestly, some of the most Ugly. eyesore cars when you saw them out on the road, but as a race car, uh, you appreciated it because they went fast and they did what they were supposed to do. So, um, but I think there was, there was part of that that was going on an awful lot as well. And I think it was partially, I think the manufacturers were calling for it as much as anybody, but I agree with you. I would like to see more of a, a stock car involvement or a stock car into it. Um, you know, I just don't know how they get back to that. It's, it's been, it's been carried off so far. Is yeah. it, you know, is it, you, you bring GT three cars into this style racing or just leave it the way it is and, and, uh, capture, you know, hopefully a new fan base around, around this package that they're building, uh, this, this new car, this next generation car less, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you a tip. Uh, you and I aren't going to like it at all, uh, oh, because man. it takes the purest <laughs> away from it at all. Right. You know, independent rear suspension, paddle shifting, in a NASCAR car. I mean, that's just uh, it, a NASCAR race car just doesn't seem right. And they're going to go back to carburetors, by... though, right? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so they're going back to carburetors, though? No. <laughs> yeah, on gravity filled yeah, right. gas cans. Yeah. It was actually designed by um, the next gen car, was actually or partly designed by Poncho Weaver, right? In Trans That's right. Weaver Racing. Right there you go. Stuff. Look, he's got it on. Oh, there you go. There you go. Oh, oh, Weaver you Racing. Go. Yeah, no, Poncho has been instrumental in that. And uh, we race in Trans Am, a car that, that is. That is 100% Poncho Weaver design and and built from him and um, like I said it's a, it's probably the best race car I've ever driven in, in any condition. So, hey guys, let's talk about the win of the race because he only led one lap, but he led the, <laughs> the right one, the correct lap. Brad Keselowski, my buddy, who I hung out with when I was in North Carolina <laughs> for that five minutes. Well, they were debating on Race Hub over the week, which to, who is the most likely to win at Talladega, and it was going to be Hamlin because he's been in the top ten every every week, or Keselowski, and it just and ended up being Keselowski. And you know what? We're now, what, ten races, nine winners, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Our, yeah, yeah. Truex has got two. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty incredible. And and also he got to, I mean, he, he joins the ranks of some incredible names, right? Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Jeff Gordon 
for six wins at Talladega. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 And that's yeah, such a different beast. You need to put your name on with those two cats. I mean, come yeah. on. That's, good that's not bad company. You know, so, uh, no. I was speaking to somebody off the side and speaking about Speedways, Talladega specifically, they asked, is it really that different? And it, it was a conversation that we were having around Roman Grosjean not coming to Speedways because of the danger. And I think this, this you know, what we see uh, see on the track today kind of is the exclamation point. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, you know what, guys? Let's go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Roman Grosjean and all the other IndyCar drivers because I want to talk some IndyCar. And then after that, we got our interview with Joe Roberts, American in, in Moto2. You're listening to Speed City. Back after a quick break. USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. What's up? This is Bill Co. Freestyle Motocross Rider with the Nitro Circus, and you're all listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio. Speed City. All right, we're going to talk IndyCar because they were at St. Pete today, and Colton Herta looked unstoppable today. Looked like he did in Austin, Texas when he came yeah. here. <laughs> Hello, I'm here. I remember the I'm first time <laughs> I saw him on track. I walked into the uh, PR, into the media center at, at Coda, and I was watching the time bo- times up on the board, and Colton <laughs> I've got the dog completely wrapped around the cable now. And uh, Colton Herta sets the fastest lap of the day on his first lap out of the box. And it was the fastest lap of the entire weekend. And then he went on to win at, here at Coda. But I, he looked incredible today. I knew after the first lap at Barber he was going to win because he just went, right, we'll put that one down to experience it and let's go on to the next yeah. one. He was like already out the door because he was involved in that big crash that uh, Newgarten was Adam, did in. you get to see it? I sure did. Yeah, I don't. I, I try not to miss an IndyCar race. Want to you know, always support Michael and and his efforts and and having the four car operation he had out there. And yeah, you know, Colton was was unstoppable. That that you know, the father son combination between yeah. him and Brian. I think only the people that really know that family, um, you know, knew that that was going to work. You know, people outside of that family, I'm sure were you heard them right? You could always hear them talking like, oh, every time so they've tried this, it it just never works, but. Uh, if you know Brian and you know Colton, you know that family and how they operate. They are calm as and cool as cucumbers and uh, just great, genuine people. I uh, I was always a huge fan of, of Brian's. You know, him and my brother John were teammates uh, in the 1993 Indianapolis 500, uh, driving for Foyt. 
um, you know, John or 94, excuse me. And, and um, when John ran the double, uh, both the Coca-Cola 600 and Indy 500 the same day, and John's mm-hmm. schedule didn't allow him to get a lot of practice time. And it was Brian's expertise behind the wheel, even as a rookie or as a young, I mean, rookie or second year in, in, in the series and, uh, you know, dialed the car into where John came to a car that was just ready to go. And then, and their friendship was, was strong right off the bat and, and uh, friends all the way to the end. And uh, so we know the Herders for a long time and, and uh, you know, uh, just so happy for them as a family. And like I was saying earlier is uh, Colton just doesn't ride. He, he's, I talk about this with my friend. I, I mentioned Shane a lot. We, we talk about the mindset of an athlete, especially a racer. And, and uh, Colton's that racer that you, you, you just admire to be, right? He doesn't ride a high too high or a low too low. And uh, because of that, like today, he won a race, led flag to flag, and he, he expected to do that. And he saw that in him. Yeah. And it's not arrogance. That's confidence. And that's what that kid carries. And uh, he's very humble. He can never call him arrogant anyway. And so um, and you love that. And that's what you want to see in the mentality of a racer is uh, that's what a true champion will always show is is that just even mellow. I mean, last week at, at Barber taking out four turns into the thing and um he he his 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 voice tone was the same as him winning this yeah, week yeah exactly and that's what you just love about the kid and adam it, it, it's no surprise to see old mario uh being the first to congratulate brian and being on the pit wall i know he's part of the andretti team with michael and so on but i think there's a touch of the marios with colton and i think this combination of this kid four wins in cool as a cucumber mario there michael there and obviously dad um it, it, it's a pretty potent force for the rest of the world to take on absolutely and you know my uncle mario as everyone knows loves a winner and uh and you know um uh and colton's a winner and so yeah he's he's very proud and and anyone that's carrying on that andretti banner and driving an andretti autosport car and doing it to such success and dominance like that is yeah, that's what we strive for in our family is is that not to just know that they we showed up and to win races but to to have that dominant nature you know that's what you always saw in mario it's what you saw in his son michael and um you know and, and to see this in the race team right now is, is really really encouraging and i think everyone i i think colton kind of loved the fact that all eyes were on alex uh, yeah. through the off season mm-hmm. leading into this season that all eyes were on on rossi and and being the leader of, of andretti autosport and and that's right up Colton's alley, I, I think. You know, he stayed quiet in the background, and and he's just going to back it up with his performances. And unfortunately, um, poor Alex been struggling a little bit, mm. you know, in these first couple races. Yeah, and uh, Rossi, uh, you know, he came out and was. They were saying all these things like, you know, we we've got to have a good showing. We got to have a good showing. And once again, man, that was. It looked like that crash. I didn't really blame that on fully on. Uh, it was on... Rossi's to choose. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he didn't see him. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, it, Tanzan agreed with that. T- Did he? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I go, I go, I go back a little further. That um, it, it was, it was, it was a slow pit stop that put him in the position to, to, yeah. to, yeah. to feel like he had to hyper defend in the first place. Um, Graham Long was extremely ties. fast today. Uh, you know, until that, you know, he had showed so much speed. So I think. Um, you know, I, I can, I can almost guarantee because I know if I was in Alexander's place, I would, I would lay down in bed tonight and be like, man, I should just let him go. Got behind him. Yeah. I got for a little bit fresher tires, uh, seeing if I can either follow him through a little bit of the field or, 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 you know, pounce back in another moment. And, um, but you know, your heat of the battle, 
I get it. Totally heat of the battle. And, and he just got out of a rough pit stop. And if you've ever had a rough pit stop and you're out there and, and things just don't seem to be going right to begin with, it just kind of compounds things. So Alexander Rossi is a true professional. He will 100% regroup with this Andretti Autosport group. There's, they are down, but they are not out. And uh, he is definitely with that, with that group has the nature to get into a, a hot streak that, that could spell trouble for everyone else, including Colton. Mm. And I think we're going to have a lot of different winners. It's going to be an interesting year. And I think it's going to be, it could be a four or five way battle uh, by the time we get to the end of the season. I think. Yeah. I agree, uh, Jonathan, 100%. All right, guys, let's move on to two wheels because, like we've been saying, we have this great interview, Jonathan, you did with American Joe Roberts. Where's he from? California? Yeah. And, He's, yeah. His, his mom and dad are, are actually English originally, but he was born in California and he's a, he's a true, true typical Californian, very laid back. In fact, uh, I think NBC are going to do a, a piece with him going surfing. And he says, I'm a, I've got to get up to speed on my surfing. He's got the hair for it. <laughs> he's got the oh, hair yeah. for it. Um, but he's I tell you what. He's my long-haired brother from another mother. There you go. <laughs> and I don't know if Adam would agree with me. I think Colton and Joe Roberts are very similar dudes. Oh, that is weird to think about yeah, that. They are. I mean, they're... I, I, I do. I, I, I do, but I will say this, and this is what my friend Shane and I are talking about. Joe tends to ride the emotion a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah I agree uh, with that. Like, Joe... Joe is not at his level. Um, and, and, and I, and I got to tell you, if I were Joe and I'm in a world championship um, like he is and I'm at the top, I would have a hard time controlling that as well. So I don't put that against him. I'm just saying that'd be the only thing that I would say separates them is Colton, good day or bad day, same Colton. Yeah. Joe, if you ran into him in the paddock after a good day or a bad day, you would know if he had that good day or bad day. You know what? That's I agree yeah. because we got to uh, hang out with Colton right after the, the win at Coda. And he was he was very much the way he was before the race. He wasn't over the top. He was, you know, he was excited and happy to won, but he wasn't over the top. Well, but, Joe's not without his sense of humor. Yeah, it's yeah. Well, Jonathan, let's let's get oh, some no. of these clips in because yeah. I know you did. Uh, once you set up the first one, I guess uh, Portugal. He's talking about the win yeah. or the race. I mean, yeah, not basically, the wind, the... basically, it all came in Portugal. It came down to the last lap, and uh, Joe Roberts was on for a podium. Um, he is currently six in the championship. They had two races at La Salle. One went well. The other went um, uh, one went badly. The other one uh, went better, and he got a top six there. And um, but in Portugal, he was so close to getting a podium and his arch nemesis, Remy Gardner, son of the former uh, world champion himself, Wayne Gardner. And uh, I just asked Joe what happened on the last lap, because it, it really was nip and tuck. And he ended up with a tire in his in his, in his shoulder. <laughs> Number one is the first clip. Oh, man. Yeah, it was um, it was a crazy race, I think. Some yes, obviously. Like I've watched it back and realized that it was so cool. All the path, the passes going on, the the people, everything. So it was a cool race to be a part of. Um, and lucky to lead the laps I did. Um, and it was yeah, a little crazy on those last laps, man. I I was trying to kind of find my way to get up into second because Raul had made a little bit of a gap, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to catch him but I thought second was still possible. And um, yeah, I lined up a pass that I was kind of thinking about a, a few laps earlier on Kinnett place. I was really strong and uh, went up the inside there and uh, yeah, I screwed up the next corner. I went a little bit wide and let Kinnett kind of get up underneath us and, and kind of push us both wide, which allowed Remy to just kind of squeeze in there. And yeah, I don't know. I was kind of torn. I didn't know 
if I should try to, you know, wind it up to get a good drive to pass Kinnett on the last corner or, or just hug the corner, the corner like crazy. So Remy wouldn't go there. I was convinced he wasn't going to pass me. And then I felt a, I felt a, a, a tire right on my shoulder, um, which was a little bit surprising. I thought we were going to crash. So that was um, Remy, was it? That was Remy that uh, caused you to have half a tire on your shoulder that when you got off the bike. Yeah. Have half, half the compound all over my, uh, <laughs> all over my arm, but Oh, it was a cool race, man. And uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's racing like that. That makes me smile that we can be close like that. And uh, can tell you, I'll definitely repay the, the favor to Remy in the next race. <laughs> well, it's interesting that it was Remy because you, both you and he uh, sort of arrived on the world scene at the same time. Uh, and you were sort of battling with each other further down the field in, in on different bikes last year, but now you've moved up. So can you kind of explain well, why don't you give us a little pot of history, first of all, for our audience who may not know your your rise. Um, let's start with how you got into this whole scene, uh, and then we'll end up with 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 um, how you got onto this bike this year. Yeah, I've been racing the World Championship now. I think it's like my first, my fourth full season. Um, second season on the Calyx, which is considered to be like the, the top bike in the in the class it's what the the bike that everyone wins on every year because we have just bikes that uh chassis the engines are all the same but the the chassis are what different is what is what is different um so yeah kind of two learning years to understand the class and then last year we put a solid season together podium pole positions and I'm seventh in the championship so um yeah and, and it, it says here you're six equal with connect Right. Yeah. Currently now I'm, I'm equal with Kinnett in the championship, but last year I finished seventh and yeah, it was a solid season, man. And I, uh, I ended up getting offered a ride for the Italian trans racing team, which they, they won the championship last year. So, um, it was kind of an opportunity that I couldn't say no to. It was, uh, a lot of really experienced people. My, uh, my chief technician is a guy named Giovanni Sandy He's like a legendary, um, a legendary crew chief you would know him for sure from your yeah. world superbike days and, definitely and so uh won won titles with max biaggi with yeah. uh lots of riders Jorge lorenzo he won titles with so to get a chance to work with somebody like that who i think has you know had so many titles to his name i feel like he's doing something right and um yeah it's 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 an interesting year it's kind of teaching me a lot of things about not so much to reach reach too much for wins or reach too much for championships because you know when I came into this championship this year it was like win the title win win every race type mentality and it's kind of their their mentality is just like hey session by session where we're, we're working every session that's that's the that's the job is to be the best in that current session work towards the race don't think about the result and um, it's kind of creating a bit more of a calmness and more of a fun environment and, and something I think that will take me further in my career, you know, to keep this thing fun. And, and I mean, it's crazy what we do, man. We're in a crazy time in the world and yeah. <laughs> racing, racing motorcycles and battling each other out and living the dream. So it's nice to appreciate it. Living the dream, a California kid racing in MotoGP. You see where I yeah. see the parallel between I know. Them. I totally get the Colton yeah, Herta sure. comparison. But yeah, um, Adam, what do you think? Can he, can he, you know, I mean, just listening to him, I mean, you know, his career, I mean, he just sounds like he's in the zone and he, he's ready to, to do something like Colton, Colton is doing. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. He's uh, what he just oozes there is just confidence in the group that he has around him too. You know, when you're when you're a driver or rider, it's it's really that's what it comes down to is is that is how you gel. He's obviously gelling with this new Italian group there. He's um, there's a bunch of mutual respect. You see that a lot in that paddock is they the those those uh, mechanics um, yeah. those team members have such huge respect for those riders because they know what they're laying on the line every time out there and they know that they're not giving anything up. So. Uh, you know, the, the respect goes right back. It sounds like from Joe to those cats, right? So that's huge. Um, when the rider can have that much confidence in the group and you can hear from Joe and I love this session by session because it shows, you know, he led two sessions, I think, or maybe even three sessions at all three sessions at, uh, at Portimao. And, um, he just looked so on form and, uh, the whole weekend. And I was, I, I think I, me as a fan was more gutted than he was <laughs> that he didn't step on the rostrum. So, um, because I, I really thought he earned it. He earned it in that race. And, um, you know, I, I, like he said, I love to hear his aggression too, that he's going to give it right back to Remy, um, because that's what you have to do as a racer. You have to deliver that stuff right back or else you get walked on. I'm not saying, you know, to the point of being dangerous, but you have to definitely, you know, show that, you know, you, you can't just push me around. And, and so I, I love that about him. So, yeah, I, I see a lot of great things. Definitely. We see a future American world champion there. I, I I'm confident in that. I think he's confident in his abilities to do that. And as I was telling you, Jonathan, in a text message, what a great time to be a world championship Grand Prix motorcycle yeah. race fan. Yeah. I mean, it's the fields are so deep. I mean, if Joe Roberts, if he pulls off a championship, let's say he just does that in Moto2, he's doing that in the deepest field that Moto2's ever had, arguably. And MotoGP mm -hmm. is so deep. And, um, you know, it, it's just an exciting time. There's six brothers in MotoGP, which me being in a, in a, in a family, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, legendary <laughs> family sport, you know, with, with my Andretti family, uh, it, it's neat to see that, you know. And I think if if Rossi were to hang on even another year or two, we're going to see dive bomb Darren Bender sh uh, show up with his brother Brad <laughs> yeah. in MotoGP. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, those two are good together. Yeah, hey, Jonathan, we got enough to play one more clip from Joe Roberts. Uh, you want to play the one about um, the yeah, upcoming races? The, the fourth one, uh, which is about the next race, which is one of the biggest on the calendar, Jerez. And Ooh. I asked him what his what his thoughts were going into that, and also where he felt he had the best chance for America to win finally for for the American flag. Yeah, Jerez is one of those tracks that is 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 like one of the hardest races to to go to because so many riders are so fast there. So you really have to be on your game there. Um, I've, I've had like mixed things there. <laughs> uh, last year, my, the two races. Yeah, Mark, Mark Gates can talk about that. So don't worry. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, but at least, yeah, exactly. But last year I had two really terrible races there. So I'd like, I'd like to, to change that fate, you know, change the past and, and have a really solid weekend. Um, I think we'll get different weather for sure. It'll be a lot cooler this year. So um, I am looking forward to it. The last time I went to Hareth, I had a really positive test. was was quite fast. So um, I'm, def I'm looking forward to it. I think every weekend, man, I think we have a chance. And that's something that um, I'm taking into every racetrack that maybe I didn't quite get that thing there. I'm starting to try to find the love for everywhere, you know, and, and see what we could find. 
Well, obviously, as you know, American fans, uh, they love their winners and they want to see you winning. Um, I mean, you really are on the edge of uh, of that. Uh, is there a particular circuit that you're looking forward to that you start to think to yourself, I know this place and I'm dialed in there and I've got my best hope there? Or is it, does it matter? Yeah, last year I picked it. I picked three. Tra- well, what was the three track? I picked three tracks last year that were my my top picks for my best results of the year, which maybe I'm not trying to do so much this year. Like I said before, I'm trying to just love everywhere. But um, I said Barcelona, Le Mans and Brno. Uh, we're not going to Brno anymore. So well, Barcelona um, and Le Mans are coming up. So, yeah, so Le Mans, man, is. Le Mans last year was one of those places I, I kind of got into some sort of like, I don't know, some sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a trance. I was like stuck in it. I was saying every day, it was like a mantra, like I'm going to pull, pull, win, pull, win. I got the pull and then we had some technical problems and I started in the last corner. So, um, but I still got six there. And that track, man, has always been a place that just came so natural to me. I felt like I found the flow. There's some places as a rider, you just show up and you're, you find the flow right away. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of special when you find that. Um, it's, it's really nice, honestly. Portimao is one of those circuits that I, it's a really hard circuit to ride, but I found the flow pretty quickly. So um, I'm looking forward to Le Mans for sure. I think I got, I got high expectations for Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> I would, that's good. He does have the confidence, like Adam was saying, yeah. for sure. But, and and it sounds genuine. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's not the uh, corporate speak. Yeah, no, he looks totally confident. He does not look like he's putting on any sort of airs or anything. He and, looks... and by the way, uh, don't forget, there's another one, Cameron Bobier, top 10 last time out at Portugal. Um, you know, he's a bit older than... Um, I was just going to say, how old is Bobier? I want to say... In his 20s still? Late 20s, maybe 30. Okay, but, so but he's, he's still... still He's still very much at yeah. the top of his game. Very fit guy, not worry about that. Um, but no. already he's starting to show top 10 material in his first season. And, and Moto2, as Adam just said, it's the toughest of the lot. This is not like going to Moto3, then Moto2, like Alex Marquez and yeah, Rossi. You, and... Your machinery, you don't you don't get this, the advantages you can get in uh, in the top level. Well, what one of the things, and by the way, that, that I, I did a, quite a few more minutes with Joe, and in the podcast, which we'll put out on uh, SoundCloud, you'll hear him talk about the difference. I talk about Cameron uh, to him, and he said, the difference between riding a superbike and and Adam can talk to this. It's it's like being in a Trans Am car versus a Formula One car, which is Moto Two is stiff chassis, uh, one twitch and you're out. Whereas a superbike is much more forgiving. It rolls. Um, it gives you a lot more indication as to where it's going, so you can move your body and, and attach yourself to it. Um, whereas uh, Moto Two is is vicious. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, we got to yeah. take another quick break. Sorry, Adam, I didn't mean to cut you off. We got to take a quick break, and we come back. We'll continue, and then we're also going to talk a little Miami, uh, Formula One coming to Miami. Get us into Speed City. Back after a quick break. Welcome to Miami. 
Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP-inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in Dayanese leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Talk 13.7, the right choice. Hi, this is Bob Varsha, commentator for sports cars, Barrett Jackson, collector car auctions, and more. You're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Hey, that was the voice of Bob Varsha bringing us back. And if you don't know, Bob Varsha joins us for our Formula One broadcast for our pre-race and post-race every Formula One Grand Prix weekend, including next weekend at Portugal. And if you want to hear those national radio broadcasts, go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, and you can find out where to listen. Of course, you can always watch or listen to them on our social media. And Les, what is the giant grin on your face for? Because you have a dog in your lap? Well, I... <laughs> I figured out I like him better than Jonathan. Okay. <laughs> hey, guys, I just got a text. Oh, no! Oh, mayhem! <laughs> I just got yeah, a text. They both have their own version of that. I was going to call him that. I just got a text from uh, Jack Harvey. We tried to get him on the show, and he said, man, I'm sorry I was at dinner. I asked him, how was his hands, though? Because They, you they just, all blistered, yeah. Yeah, and he said, uh, he said, my hand is sore, but all good, exclamation. So he said, ready for great Texas. Race. Yeah, it was a great Giddy race, up. wasn't it, man? But, um, you know, those guys all sounded really excited to come to Texas. They did. Of course they did. Uh, when we spoke to them the other day, that is. so That's true. Um, uh, let's talk about Miami. Or how does it say? How do you say it? It's Miami. Miami. Because there's lots to talk about here. Uh, uh, Adam, let me ask you first. Um, what did you think of when you first heard that this was actually going to – I mean, we've been hearing about this for a year. But what did yeah. you think when you first heard about it? Bring it on, right? I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a great venue. It's a destination city in America. Everyone loves to go to Miami. Um, oh, there's yeah. a lot of energy, you know. There, it's it it, it really it it reeks of Formula One. That that whole city. It, it's um, uh, it'll be perfect for it. They've been trying to pull this off. I think you know, Liberty Media, you know, being owners of Formula One and an American company, I think has definitely been pushing uh for this you know i uh they were trying i know that there was there was talk of one in boston and and then manhattan and, and i mean just really you have to fight so hard to make something like that work miami it just it seems like such a better fit and and the weather is going to be less of an intangible and and things like that so i i'm excited for it i know the 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 city of miami my miami day county is excited for it um i have a, we have a lot of friends down in the florida keys and Ala Murata, they're all excited for it, you know, as fishing guides, some of the people that are going to come down there and they're going to get to go take out on boats and things. So uh, I think as a whole, it's, it's going to be really, really great for, for Formula One, for Formula One in America and uh, for the fan base. 
Absolutely. I saw some preliminary drawings this week of the layout for the course. It's around the Hard Rock Stadium there. And, the Dolphins uh, play, yeah. Right. And so what's so cool about it is it's kind of horseshoe-shaped generically, but they're going to be able to use the top terrace of the stadium that faces out towards the parking lot. And so you're going to be able to basically see the entire course by walking around that uh, that terrace. How many people can fit up there? Do we uh, have any idea yet? I don't have any real numbers The entire Miami, Miami Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you, this is looking really cool from a venue of something. You know, we've, we've had parking lot races before back in Caesar days at, yeah. uh, in Vegas. But uh, this is different. Uh, Stephen Ross is into this. He's, uh, you know, part of it. And uh, he's already got the venue. Uh, I do have a request in for the Miami Gardens uh, city mayor there. So we'll try to we'll get, him, get him. I tell you what, I, I don't know where I saw it on Twitter, but check out Twitter and check out the simulation that Formula One, I think, have put out. Because I yeah. did a lap on that. And the biggest thing that surprised me is it doesn't feel like St. Pete at all. It feels like a real Formula One circuit. Really fast sweeping corners. Um, Good flat new surface. Flat, there's, there's, it's over 300 kilometers at one point. I mean, yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah. I, I've got a feeling that this is going to be a, 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 a sort of non street circuit, street circuit. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I, yeah, I saw that simulation and I did see that, that it's going to be a 200 mile an hour yeah. circuit somewhere. Yeah, and, yeah buddy. And you know, I was thinking that. Same thing, Jonathan. It's a parking lot. This is pretty mm. impressive. They're going to be able yeah. to pull this off. Yeah, I'm I don't think see it's what like they Detroit. Do. I'm waiting to see what they do over the speed bumps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what did you say about Michael Strahan, though? That's interesting. Yeah, too. really g- interesting thing. You know, they were talking about uh, Miami, and uh, Zach Brown said he was in a New York restaurant just the other week and uh, bumped into Michael Strahan, who recognized him immediately from the Netflix show and said he's so excited for Formula One, knows all about McLaren, and it just shows it's growing quick. We have about a million plus fans at the moment of Formula One. I think it's going to be two million before the end of this year. Awesome. Well, and guys, we are... MotoGP is going to do that too now. That's right. There you go. All right, guys. Well, we are out of time and I want to thank Adam Andretti. Appreciate it, Adam, coming on again. And thanks thank everybody you. for... Thanks for having me. Yeah, sure. Thanks everybody for tuning in. And of course, we'll talk to you next Sunday for Formula One. Take care, Adam. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. Everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.